here uh, together with you all this morning. Got a kind of a simple lesson for us this morning looking at a blank screen. So, uh, looking at uh, maybe some some attitudes or character traits or whatever you want to call them from some stories from the Old Testament that are really things that we uh, we don't want to adopt in our lives, things that we don't want to be. And so when you when you think about why did God give us the Old Testament, did he just give us a bunch of uh, history? Uh, did he just give us a bunch of stories? What What is it for? What? I hit on. I got it. Is it listening to me? I need to put the microphone. Okay. I hit on. Testament, we're told in the New Testament why we have the Old Testament, right? Because if we're under under Christ's law, there's really there's no instructions in the Old Testament that are that are uh, directly things that that Christians under Christ are supposed to be doing. A lot a lot of what's in the New Testament is some repeated laws from the Old Testament, but Paul tells us both in Galatians and in in First uh, Corinthians. Uh, what the Old Testament is useful for us as Christians today for. In Galatians chapter 3, uh, it says, uh, starting in verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But after that, faith has come. We're no longer under a schoolmaster. And so uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we may not desire evil as they did. He's talking about, the stories from the Old Testament, the things that we have recorded in the Old Testament. It says, So do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put, on, put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And so, you know, what Paul is saying there is, is these things from the Old Testament are there for us to see what to do or what not to do, what attitudes to have or not to have, to see how God reacts to people doing certain things or, or acting certain ways. And uh, this morning, uh, we want to look at a few examples from the Old Testament and just kind of think about what attitudes did these people have that were not good and, and kind of reflect upon our own lives and be sure that, that we don't let some of those same types of attitudes or thoughts or character traits creep into our lives because we can see you know, from the 
what happened to these people that the, the end result is not good. Um, the first one I wanted to look at is the rebellion of Korah. Uh, from back in the time of Moses, uh, Korah was one of the, the prominent sons of Levi. And we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 16. Not going to read the entire story, but just kind of the, the highlights of it. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan and Ebram, the sons of Elab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. A little bit later in that chapter, uh, we see kind of some more rebellion against God's chosen leader, Moses. It says, And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abram, the sons of Elab, and they said, We will not come up. It is a small thing that you've brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make... Is it a small thing that you've brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make yourselves a prince over us? Moreover, you've not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. So, two, two passages here from that story. And, and what do we see in those two verses? We see some people who were not content with the situation they were in. We see some people who were exalting themselves. They actually accuse Moses of of saying, why have you exalted yourselves? But in reality, they're doing what? They're exalting themselves above God's chosen leader. They're, they're uh, assuming the role uh, that God had already assigned to, to someone, that being Moses and Aaron. We see pride. Uh, we see really a, a whole multitude of, of sins and attitudes there that have ensnared I would say mankind all the way from the Garden of Eden until now. And we see these these attitudes, this, this lack of contentment, this self-exaltation, this pride, this, this thinking that I know best, uh, you know, all of those things are kind of rooted in the same basic bad attitudes or, or bad thoughts. Um, if you look... All the way back to the time of Eve, I've got several examples here uh, just to kind of show that, that these types of sins or this type of thought process is really something that's plagued uh, mankind all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, when t Satan tempted Eve, there in Genesis uh, chapter 3, it says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so here with Eve, you look at 
kind of her motivations behind why she did this, why she chose uh, to, to sin against God. Uh, it, it looked good to her. It was delightful to the eyes. Uh, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And I think that, you know, again, she, she's wanting to be like God. That's what Satan used to tempt her. It says, if you eat of this, uh, you'll be like God. You'll know the things that he knows. Uh, and and that was part of the <clears throat> reasoning behind why she she sinned in that way. As you continue on from the Garden of Eden, uh, after that in Genesis chapter eleven, you get to the story of the Tower of Babel. And what are those people doing? The same thing. They're wanting to exalt themselves. It, Genesis eleven verse four says, "And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower." with this top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole face of the earth. And if you read some more into that story, uh, when God comes down and, and visits that and sees what they're doing, what does he say? He says, if, if I don't do something about this, there will be no end to it in their minds. They'll think that they can just go and do anything. And so he disperses them uh, by by changing their languages amongst themselves and and they end up you know failing in what they were trying to do but again they're they're wanting to exalt themselves um, Saul kind of does the same thing uh, as king first Samuel chapter 15. This is after Saul was instructed to destroy the Amicalites. He was supposed to, to utterly destroy them and leave nothing left. Uh, and he did not do that. Uh, and in, in not doing that, he basically took it upon himself to, to do it his way and not do things the way he had been told. It says, Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil inside of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission which the Lord had sent me. I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen and the best things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry because you've rejected because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. So this passage and this is one that we go to fairly often just to to kind of drive home the fact that what is God really looking for? Is he wanting us to uh, try to come up with things to do on our own? Or is he wanting us just to do what he tells us to do? And uh, here we see from, from Samuel's response to Saul, Saul saying, well, I did do what God said. Uh, but but if you look at it closely, he kind of did what God said, but didn't do exactly what God said. And Samuel's point to him is, you know, God's not pleased with that. God's expectations are for us just to do things the way that he says to do them. Um, 
It says, Rebellion is the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. And so, you know, Saul here, we can see from Samuel's response to him that, that Saul, in God's eyes, was considered to have rebelled against God in this and to have been presumptuous and, and kind of gone a direction that, that he thought was good, but that wasn't what God told him to do. And, and we can see that uh, this was not pleasing to God. <clears throat> One other uh, passage from the Old Testament, a character who was exalting himself uh, is Absalom in Second Samuel 15, it says, After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land, that every man with a dispute or cause may come to me, and I would give him justice. Absalom is trying to lift himself up to a place that is not his. Uh, and that seems to be the struggle of mankind, uh, again, from the beginning till today. We see even Jesus' disciples struggling with this this desire to lift themselves up above uh, where they should be. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 20, uh, starting in verse 20, this is the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus with her sons. Kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. All right, so what is she wanting, and what are they wanting? Uh, in, in Matthew's account, it sounds like you know it was just the mother asking this, but we see the sons are with with her in this, and and they want these things. They want to be uh, greatest in the kingdom, and we see that again uh, in Luke chapter twenty-two. What we went through uh, the last couple of, of Wednesday nights says a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And so, again, even Jesus' disciples struggled with this idea of of self-exaltation, wanting to lift ourselves up to a spot that is not ours, uh, wanting to be the greatest, wanting to make the decisions on our own, wanting to come up with the rules on our own. And we see... These are not all the examples of this. All throughout scriptures, uh, New Testament and Old Testament, we see this problem. Uh, we see uh, that, that mankind struggles with simply just staying within uh, God's commandments, with simply just being content with what God tells us to do and, and doing that. <clears throat> and, you know, that's really where we can derail, derail into uh, these sins of rebellion. Uh, we're going to talk about carelessness uh, as, as kind of a second bad attitude that, that we can see uh, people having. But it's all really the same. When we start to think that we know better than God, instead of simply obeying what he says and being content, 
to do that and not try to come up with more or, or change it uh, to something we think is better, then, then we're starting to come off the rails. And, you know, one, one last e example along this, this same lines that I wanted us to think about is this idea that good motives don't even make it okay, right? Uh, you look at when King David... Uh, wanted to build the temple for God. That's, again, about as good a motives as you could hope for. And we see that that wasn't what God wanted. In Second Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 1, it says, Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all this in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about it in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? What is God's point here? God's point is, you know, David, and, and you read the rest of that chapter, and you see that God is not uh, really angered at David for wanting this. This is a good thing that David wants to do, but God's point is, I, I haven't said that I wanted that. I haven't said that I want you doing this. And so this is not what you need to be doing. Um, God, being the loving God that he is, actually turns it around on David and gives David more blessings. Uh, but, but he still does not want David building him a house. It, that wasn't what he wanted. And so, you know, I use this just to say that even, even good motives and good ideas... Uh, if it's not commanded, if it's not something that, that God has says he wants us to be doing, then, you know, we don't need to be doing those things. And so <clears throat> that, that's kind of a, a segue in my mind for us to move into this, this attitude number two or this character trait of carelessness. Um basically not paying attention to the details, not being careful about what we do. Uh, is carelessness even a sin? Does missing the, the details matter to God? If our motives are right and pure, but we're missing the details, does that matter to God? I think that scriptures seem to show us that, that it's always mattered to God, that the details that he's given us are important to him. They're things that he wants us to uh, be knowledgeable of and to put into action. Uh, you think about how detailed all of the old law was. You know, we have several books in in the Old Testament that are they almost get a monotonous to read because they're so detailed with with how God wanted that law to be, what God wanted them to do. Uh, and we've got uh, uh, several places uh, where we see these instructions to be careful 
that you get all these details right. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 24, it says, The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he may preserve us alive and as we are this, as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all the Lord commanded before the Lord our God for as he has commanded us. Deuteronomy 28.1, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And so, again, this is just two little spots in Deuteronomy, but that theme is everywhere in the Old Testament and the New, that we're supposed to be careful, not careless with God's instructions and with God's uh, teachings. He, he expects us to know the details and to do the details. So think about the sin of Nadab and Abihu. We talk about that uh, fairly often. Uh, was it careless? Yes. Uh, they offered profane fire. Was it rebellious i would say yes uh they they should have known uh not to do that think about the sins of king saul um not completely uh wiping out the amicalites was that careless yes did he have good motives Uh, when you read it maybe maybe not but he was still unpleasing to God. It was still sin in God's eyes because he was careless and not doing it exactly the way that God had said to do it. And so not caring enough to get the details right you know, lands us in sin. That is sin in God's eyes. Uh, and that's why we're reminded over and over again to be careful because if we are careless with God's word, we will end up in sin. We will end up doing things that we're not supposed to be doing. We will end up uh, leaving things undone that we should be doing. In Joshua, uh, as Moses is kind of exiting the picture and Joshua is about to take over his final words to the Israelites, says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, has commanded you. This is God's instructions to the Israelites. Again, be careful to do according to all of the law. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so, again, as you're kind of in the, in the change of leadership for the children of Israel, what are they reminded to do? But to be careful, to, to catch all the details, and to do them. Um, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, tells us that we're going to have to answer for every careless word we speak. Uh, That should sober us, right? That should give us uh, calls to take a step back and think about the things that we do and the things that we say. That nothing, Nothing doesn't matter to God is the way I like to think about it. Everything matters to God. 
Everything we do, everything we say, everything we think uh, matters to God. And so, again, we can't be careless in, in our actions. In Proverbs chapter 4, some more passages here that just remind us the importance of being careful. It says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You know, this is, uh, again, just a, a kind of a snapshot from Proverbs, but it's this same idea of being careful about everything that you do. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all of your ways be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. We have to, we have to get things right. We have to do our very best to understand God's will for us, understand His teaching, understand His commandments, and, and put them into action. <clears throat> In Ephesians chapter 5, that we're told... You know, these same things. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And uh, Evan's favorite passage, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And so... Again, over and over again, be careful, look carefully, take care, uh, be wise, ponder the path of your feet. You know, all of those things are saying the same thing, that we have to pay attention uh, to everything that we do. So, in my mind... Rebellion and carelessness are, they're really like twins, right? They may not be identical twins, but they're, they're like twins. They're, they're the same thing. They kind of are rooted in the same cause or, or, or at, the, at the same reasoning. How do, so how does someone end up on this path of rebellion? You know, you may want to think that someone that's being rebellious is is worse than someone being careless but they're really the same uh they're they're rooted in the same thing they they start at the same place and i think they start really with an attitude of of unthankfulness of not being thankful or not having gratitude uh for what has been done uh for them you think back to the Israelites. Uh, what was their problem? Why did they keep falling back into sin? It's because they kept being unthankful. They kept not having gratitude for what God had done for them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting in verse 47, it says, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, 
Because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. In hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything, he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. And so, and look at the first part of that. It says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. They were not thankful for what God had done for them. They were not content with what God had given them. Uh, they were not grateful for their situation. And so when, when we don't have those positive attitudes of, of thankfulness and gratefulness for what has been done for us, you know, we're going to start down this path of rebellion and this path of carelessness because we, we don't care enough to get it right. In Psalms uh, 106 and verse 7, it says, Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. And then Paul in Romans chapter 1, talking about um, some of the the Gentile ways and and how debased they had become. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so this this absence of thankfulness, this absence of realizing all of the good God has done for us, and this absence of having gratitude for what has been done for us, is really part of the root cause of, of how someone can end up rebelling against God, how someone can be careless with God's Word and and not be concerned with it enough to, to try to get it right and, and to know it and, and do it right. And so, uh, really the solution, and this is my, my final slide, uh, is what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, so put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so what what is that last part, verse 3 of that passage talking about if you have tasted that the Lord is good? It's, it's talking about us reflecting upon everything that God has done for us. Thinking about how good He's been to us. Being being thankful for that. Uh, expressing our gratitude for everything that God has done for us. Um, and I think if we adopt that attitude of, of thankfulness, and we've talked about that in here multiple times, but it is so central to our success of faithfully serving God that the absence of it, you know, if we don't have that, we will not serve God in the right way. There's no way we can serve God correctly without that gratitude and without that thankfulness. We won't care enough to know His will. Uh, we won't be content in abiding in his will if we don't have that thankfulness and and gratitude for what he's done for us. And so this morning as we uh, offer the invitation to to all of us here, uh, 
really, I, I wanted this lesson just to be a reminder for us to, to reflect back on everything God's done for us, to be thankful for that, to be sure we have that gratitude in our hearts, and let that be uh, motivation for us to be careful with God's Word and, and to be sure that we are looking at the details and striving to get every detail right that we possibly can. And so if you are not a Christian here this morning and wish to do that, uh, we are certainly uh, here to talk to you about that. And, and if you are a Christian and uh, maybe have not had the gratitude that you should have or, or maybe you have uh, sinned against God in some way, you, you've left some details out and not done things that you should have done and want to seek forgiveness for that, we're here to pray for one another and help encourage one another uh, in those things and invite you to let whatever need you may have be known as we stand and sing.